how's where you are? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. In Northampton, the most beautiful place in Europe. Uh, the pearl of England, the jewel of the UK, Northampton. I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Any, any of you guys who live in the UK know what I mean. Northampton is just sort of a bit of a rinky-dink, working-class town in the Midlands, but, but I love it here. Those of you in the US and Canada and stuff, you probably wouldn't appreciate it. I know that you do have a place actually in the US called Northampton, though. You have a Southampton, a Northampton, a Westhampton, and an Easthampton. Alhamdulillah. Okay, um... Right, so the, the topic that I'm going to talk about today is about marriage and parenting, inshallah. That that may come as a bit of a surprise. I mean, I, I don't do loads of that. I mean, that there are kind of undertones of um, there are kind of t undertones of family and having children and parenting and stuff like that in all my content because my my YouTube channel is kind of learning Somali meets kind of family, and that's kind of main reason why I learned Somali is mainly for my kids and um, and for me to have a better marriage so it kind of make, it does it does really make sense for me to have this conversation and it's also just so important like i mean we in our times particularly we are um we're not great at marriage or parenting at the moment we have our struggles um apologies for being in my car as well before we get into it i was in a hotel room um i had booked a hotel room for yesterday and today but they kicked me out probably racist um no it's because i was doing other work for too long um, but yeah, they kicked me out, so, uh, this video is, uh, is hosted in the prestigious Peugeot 207. I thought you was, you thought I was from Devon? La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Devon, aduwuna rajim. That Devon's our, our accursed enemy. They're our next door neighbours uh, in Devon, I'm actually from Cornwall. I grew up, well, I grew up in Cornwall. I was born here in Northampton. I grew up in Cornwall. Um, Cornwall, our worst enemies with Devon. Um, when we drive through Devon, we're making rude finger gestures at everybody. As we drive through Devon, up to the rest of the civilised world in the UK. Um, yeah. No, we're worst enemies with Devon. Why did you think I was from Devon? Devon can do one. Okay, who else is here? Assalamu alaikum, those of you who are joining me. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Um, cool, while we're waiting for some other people to join, perhaps I'll do another little shout out. Um, for those of you who do not know, uh, Sam of Somalia is on Patreon. Why are we on Patreon? Well, um, we are on Patreon because. Um, although I love creating the Somali language resources that I do and, you know, creating daily videos as well as putting stuff on my website and podcasts and stuff, um, although I make it all available for free, it's not free to make. Um, in fact, it costs quite a lot of money in um, equipment and uh, in software and in recording space. And then it's very, very expensive in time. It takes a long time to plan and shoot and edit and distribute all of the content as well. And um, if any of you guys, inshallah, can ease that burden a little bit and become part, a closer part of the closer part of the project um for one dollar a month five dollars a month ten dollars a month then uh, that would mean the world so um, but it's not just that it's not it's not just about um helping raise funds for the project it's also um to build a bit of a closer community um so that i can give you rewards and stuff and being part of it so that's patreon i want to give a little shout out to that um and then also i have a little gift for you guys at the end as well i'm going to give you a discount for something as well at the end not not a product of mine a product of uh, one of the sponsors cool who else is here uh, wa alaikum salam. Wa alaikum salam. 
Waalaikumsalam. So um, let, let me begin. I mean, there's a few things I want to talk about, inshallah. Um, I don't want to I don't want to delay this too long because I'm gonna put this on YouTube and uh, the people who watch on YouTube will be uh, waiting a while for me to actually get into the nitty gritty of it. So um, uh, this week's been a bit of a rough week, man. You know, like at the beginning of this week, you know, you, YouTube and social media and stuff is such a place where sometimes things can come into your site and in that way consume it in a way. Um, even if it's just a picture, um, that you wouldn't want. So, you know how, like, our bodies are basically what we eat? Do you know what I mean? Like, if you have a really decent diet, you'll have a decent body. Like, if you, you know, you'll have a healthy mind, you'll have, you know, you know you'll have a clear head, and you'll just feel good if you eat good stuff. And it's actually the same with our minds as well. Like, if we put good quality information and good quality messages and stuff in our minds then our minds become better, our hearts become better, our souls are happier. And But we live in a time now where, like, people can just put things in front of you that that if you're to consume them, they really harm you. You know, it's, it's, it's almost the equivalent of people being allowed to put food in your mouth, you know, and people are allowed to put things in your sight. And I was on YouTube at the beginning of this week, and I came across, I came across, like, this atheist video. And, um... And it had like some funny title. It was like a dis it was like a discussion with a Christian or something. And um, I come from a Christian background myself, and loads of atheist friends. And I just clicked on it because it, it looked funny and stuff. And I just got kind of got down this rabbit hole of atheism, really. And I just felt something really dark happening to me, you know, because we we are massively influenced by by the stuff that we consume and by people that we like watching. Like sometimes you might find someone and you think, oh, they have a completely different ideology to me. I'd never accept what they're preaching, but I find them entertaining. I find them funny. Like I think they're a nice person, and and that can be really dangerous, you know, because you, you you can find yourself warming to their ideas and their ideology and stuff. And and like I just I found myself go to a really dark place this week, and you know it made me it made me think a little bit about our kids. You know, like when we put our kids. If our kids are watching TV and our kids are on a phone watching YouTube videos and stuff, like it's it's no secret that loads of our kids are watching YouTube and stuff. Like my my, my son does, you know. Like we we're aware of it, so we really really consciously limit it, and we try to give him plenty of options and stuff to not have to do that. You know, loads of options for him to play outside and you know do educational activities and come to the masjid with me and stuff and we, we you know all kinds of stuff like that. But it's no secret that our kids are exposed to it. And I was thinking like if. If I can just be taken to a really sad place within like a week of just consuming atheist content, like if I can, if I can be taken to a dark place like that, then like what about our kids? Like what about like a two-year-old or a three-year-old or a four-year-old? Like, you know, I, I remember saying to a friend of mine ages ago, like you would never sit your child in front of a person whose aqidah you don't know. Like you wouldn't sit them in front of, you wouldn't sit them in front of someone in private whose Aqida you don't know, whose political views you don't know, whose character you don't know, whose motives you don't know, and just leave them there in private. But that's kind of what you're doing if you sit and you let your kids watch a phone on YouTube. They can click on anything. Anyone can put stuff on YouTube, and it can have any kind of ideology behind it, right? Like, we, we really, really need to be careful about that. You know, it's 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 very, very serious, because, you know, we, we, we end up accidentally um, kind of indoctrinating our kids into things that we don't believe, right and a lot of it's just through lazy parenting like you know as i said at the beginning of the beginning of this video like it feels like we just live in a time where we're bad at parenting i don't know if we we kind of romanticize our own upbringings a bit i guess don't we like we we think that the way we were raised was so great but obviously there were flaws in that i watched tons of tv growing up 
I watched tons of TV growing up, absolutely loads of it. And like, you know, it'd probably be fair to say that I was like probably really sexualized through it even as well, like, without my parents knowing, do you know what I mean, like, t having a TV in your home was relatively new to my parents when they had kids, and the kinds of things that were going to be on TV and, and pushed in our homes and, and you know, just distributed throughout the world were not really known um, to our parents at the time when they were sitting us in front of the TV, because I probably grew up watching TV every day, do you know what I mean, like, I didn't, like, grow up in a city, I grew up in, like, a beautiful countryside, I was playing outside all the time, yeah, subhanAllah, but, you know, but, you know, I, I realised something, though, like, because I would say, like, this week, when I kind of got down this rabbit hole of watching all of this kind of atheist content, I, like, it's a really dark place. Like, t talking to people who do not believe in Allah Azza wa Jal, like, it's a, it's a really dark place. Like, it, it, it feels so dark there, and, you know, not, not, not that, like, you know, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from that. Like, we, we, we ask, we ask Allah day and night to hold us firm upon upon iman and upon islam but like i got to a place a couple of days ago where just remind me how beautiful it is within islam that you can immediately make yourself happier by understanding the deen properly like at any point in your life no matter what darkness you're experiencing no matter what hardship you're going through at any time in your life you can just put the brakes on you can stop doing what's wrong and you can choose to turn back to allah and allah will have you at any point Right, and literally, like stopping doing a sin or stopping consuming something that's bad for a second, and turning back to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, you, you could be immediately sparing yourself years in the hellfire by doing that. Like it's it's a really profound and beautiful thing that at any point you can you can change, you can make a change for yourself, and something something really interesting about actually trying to make a change in yourself is. You know, I, I consume quite a lot of personal development content. Like, I, I really want to be a stronger and better version of myself. I want to make more money. I want to be healthier. I want to be a better man. And, like, so I consume quite a lot of personal development content. And something that a lot of, kind of, these personal development coaches say is that it's really hard to make a change in yourself after the age of 25. Right? Up until sort of 25, and obviously there's got to be a bit of leeway for, like, culture and biology and stuff because people are different. But, like, after the age of 25, it's really hard for people to change. Right? It's another reason why it's really good to get married young because... If you get married young, you're you're much more able to just be flexible and, and, and mould to each other if you get married younger. You know, but 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 anyway, right, so but the Muslim, it, that's different for the Muslim. Because, you know, so let, let me finish the point actually. So so it's really hard to change yourself after the age of twenty-five, right? But but unless you experience trauma, okay, so either you make big changes in your life before you're twenty-five or through trauma. But us Muslims, because we believe in the hellfire, we can experience that trauma. That sounds that sounds like that sounds a bit aggressive. Like that sounds a bit abrupt. That I'm saying we can experience trauma as us Muslims, but because we have an understanding of the hellfire and and, and of paradise, we we can use that experience of trauma and believing that that's real to make real life changes in ourselves later. Whereas most people who don't believe in anything, you know, as I kind of said earlier in this episode, like I said this week, I've kind of got down a rabbit hole of watching like atheist content and stuff, atheist shows, and um, like those guys, they don't believe in anything. There's nothing really that can hold them accountable other than just their own hearts, which are obviously just completely subjective to whatever time they live in, right? Like, that, that is the basis for morality for them, but, but for us, we get to experience that to make real-life changes in ourselves. And so the, the, the affair of the mutmin is that we can change ourselves, like, however late you are in life. You can immediately change yourself and turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, which is a, a really beautiful thing, a really amazing, really beautiful thing. So, um, what I want to talk about next, so, um, 
so I, I kind of have titled this episode like parenting um, and marriage. And why why are they together? Like, well, like you know, I should probably explain why am I doing those two things? They seem quite two kind of specific things. Like usually people will kind of do a talk on um, on marriage specifically, or parenting specifically, or marriage specifically. But I think the the marriage and the parenting need to be discussed together because really like if you don't get your marriage right you're raising your kids in a home that is um there's no teamwork going on and I I think it has a massive impact on the way that boys treat women and the way that girls grow up to interact with men right like the way that the way that the way that children witness their mother and father behaving towards each other so like marriage and parenting definitely need to be talked about together and um you know but it's, it's really a process of us getting good at marriage like marriage is a you know, like like any kind of learning journey, it's something that you get practice at and you get better at, and you know, it's not it's not necessarily entirely all about finding the right person. Like I feel like here in the West, it would definitely what I was saying about the the kind, the kind of TV that I watched growing up. We're always kind of led to believe it's about finding the right person, and the the, the movies always end when they find the right person and they get married, right? That's when it ends, right? Because um, it doesn't make for great watching to show people the reality of marriage that. That really, it's a, a lifelong, um, a lifelong journey of real ups and real downs, and um, so so it's more about getting good at it. You know, like that. That's something I really advise young people is really focus more about getting good at marriage. Think about getting good at being a husband and good at being a wife, rather than thinking about searching the whole earth for the right person. Because you know, something I've something I've kind of come to realize is that if you get married to someone. Right, there, there are some non-negotiables. Like, like for me, the religion was a non-negotiable. But other things, like when I was looking for a spouse, alhamdulillah, I'm very happy with my wife. But like, when I was looking for a spouse, I was like, look, I'm I'm pretty happy to compromise on like on appearance. I'm 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 pretty happy to compromise on, um, on health. Do you know what I mean? Like, if if there are health issues that she has, no problem. Do you know what I mean? But like, the religion is just a non-negotiable for me. Um, you know, so there are things like that. But pretty much everything else, like if you find a flaw in your spouse, and you would. And, and and you think that another partner wouldn't have that it's um pretty likely that another another partner would have something that's worse maybe do you know what i mean it's pretty likely that you'll just be swapping one problem for another so it's it, it's more a journey of just getting better at marriage but um but um you know sometimes sometimes if that marriage doesn't work out like sometimes that that can be better for kids in some ways right like, hear me out on this because like I come from a home where my parents got divorced. Um, my parents got divorced when I was, how old? 15. So my little sister was about 9 or 10. I was 15. My brother was 17 or 18. So we're each in pretty bad times. Like, my sister, she's a little girl still. She's 9. Like, and she's, you know, later part of junior school. Going to go to secondary school soon. I was about to start my GCSEs. My brother was doing his A-levels. Right? Pretty horrible time. Um, for my parents to get divorced but honestly I think that divorce was one of the best things that ever happened to me you know we always talk about kind of staying with a partner you know for you know we, we think about staying with a partner for the kids but really like my parents divorce was for the kids like it was amazing for for me do you know what I mean like I, I, I don't know why I, I, I can't really put my finger on on why it was so good for me but like as soon as as soon as my parents got divorced everything just went better in my life like, I started to work harder, I had more drive. Like, I might have been going through, through something emotionally, but, like, but really, I, I just found an opportunity to, to, to um, just engross myself in my studies and stuff. Like, that, that divorce of my parents was so good for me. You know, so it's, it's, not, it's not unheard of that 
that if, if a marriage is really miserable, then sometimes it's better to walk away in peace. You know, if you can walk away in peace early, then walk away. In, but, but my parents' divorce was messy. It was horrible. It was really messy, right? Like, I got split up from my sister. Um, but, like, but even though it was messy, like, it, it really kind of made me the person I am, I think. So, yeah, so anyway. Um, that, that that's kind of a sidetrack really but um you know but i kind of wanted to you know I thought, I thought i'd mention that so um cool yeah who else is here assalamu alaikum everybody assalamu alaikum some of you have been coming and going assalamu alaikum guys who else has joined who's here now assalamu alaikum guys wa alaikum assalam how are you guys today i'm just doing a little uh we're doing a little video, um, yeah, talking about marriage and about uh, about parenting. My wife's just joined. <laughs> Salam alaikum, honey. Cool. Cool. Waalaikum salam. So so far, for those of you who have just joined. We've kind of covered um, consuming content. You know, what kind of videos do you watch and what your kids watch and how it can influence you. Um, we talked a little bit about... Um, um, what else? We talked a little bit about um, marriage, getting married young. Um, yeah. You know, something that I noticed massively, because obviously I, I, I'm a person who receives the emails... There's massive distrust for men. Like, that's a real, real big problem in our community, for sure. Because, like, I say that because I, I receive emails every day. Because, for some reason, people people think I'm, like, a matchmaker. People mess it, People email me about things that they want and stuff. And there's a real big issue of, like, lack of trust in men. Like, I don't know if a lot of these girls are growing up in homes where, like, dads just haven't been very present. Or dads have been unreliable. Or whatever, right? Like, that's, that's a really, really big problem. And I don't really know how we get past it. Like I don't, I don't really know what the men can do to, to, to earn the trust of their wives if, if, if they've grown up in a home where the men are layabouts and, and fairly useless, you know. Because but, but it seems that that's really common. I, I don't know what's happened to us. Like it has an, it has an, it has a massive, really detrimental impact on our families when there's a real lack of manhood in the home. You know, and I'm, you know, as I say, I get the emails, and it's usually when there's a real lack of trust. Usually it's linked back to girls growing up in homes where men um, don't act like men. And I think, like, um, you know, definitely in, um, like de definitely here in the UK, I think, I definitely experienced it growing up, that masculinity was almost kind of tried to be encouraged out of me. You know, so something I've, I've, I've maybe not talked about on this channel before, but I've said to my friends a few times is, like, I feel like in some ways I was really feminised when I was younger. Like, like for example, yeah, us white people, or like generally in like our liberal culture here in the West, we don't grow up thinking that boyfriends and girlfriends are a bad thing, right? So because of that, it's not off limits when you're young, okay? So when I was young, when I was like seven, eight, nine, right, at school, par the par our parents and stuff would think it's cute if I have girlfriends. Ah, oh, Sam's gonna have his girlfriend over this this weekend or whatever. So I'll be like seven or eight or nine. I don't really, I don't know anything about women or about girls or anything really, right? But I learned that the way to get attention from these girls at school is to be more girly because those girls want to play with girls. 
They're seven, eight, nine-year-old girls. They want to play with girls. So I'd get their attention by being more girly, right? And I, I remember that being kind of traumatic for me and difficult for me when I became a teenager. And girl, these girls started to want a man. It was confusing for me, almost. Like, I'd gone through primary school wanting the attention of these girls, and they wanted to hang around with girls and play with other girls. And that worked, but... You, you, when you get older, you've been, you've been taught while you're younger that you get the attention of the opposite gender by being like them. But that completely changes when you grow up. It's the complete opposite, right? Like, girls always want people who are masculine. And even even girls, like, when they get to secondary school and stuff, and they say that they, say that they want someone who's nice or whatever, they don't. They don't. They want a lion. They want somebody who might hurt them. Like, that's... Like a, I don't know if any of you guys watch any of, like, Jordan Peterson stuff, but, like, he's got... He talks about some really fascinating stuff about... Um, about you know what what women and men kind of really deep down what we actually want in the opposite gender and he says he has some he has a really fascinating kind of theory kind of story that he talks about with the film of the beauty and the beast how that really encapsulates what most women really want from a man like you know when you when you see women really really interested in a man it's often because they think that that man is dangerous somehow and they can kind of domesticate him you know and it, he he says something really funny in one of his talks about um, research, I think it actually comes from some ex-Google employees, some research into what women's um, search search results are when they search for pornography. And um, he mentioned some of the search terms that are so funny, like the difference between what, what these men were searching for is so different to what the women were searching for, right? Like with the men, really visual, like really explicit. And with the women, it's things like billionaire, pirate, vampire and stuff like that <laughs> it's so funny like it's all cases where you've got like dangerous man um you know kind of being um being domesticated which is um which is really funny but um but anyway right so like so i was kind of saying that our manhood is often really really um you know almost um we're definitely just discouraged. Like, I think we have habits in our culture here in the West that really feminise men. And um, so, so definitely habits. But then we're actively promoting things that kind of feminise men. Like, we, you know, like, um, I remember, like, being rewarded for liking pink and stuff when I was at school and stuff like that. Um, yeah, for those of you guys who are commenting, by the way, this isn't a video about learning Somali. This is, we're, we're talking about, like, family and marriage and raising kids. And I'm having a rant about manhood specifically at the moment yeah but yeah yeah so like i don't know quite often these days we're growing up in a home where where women i don't know like we're we're, we're kind of confused about what we really want and stuff and who we really are you know because i i've always found like the more the more kind of masculine i try to become just the better my life is you know like i i find myself being more respected and more admired by my wife and stuff that you know whereas it's, it's kind of counterintuitive like we're we almost kind of um you know, we kind of demonise demonize manhood in many ways and encourage men to be more feminine and kind of, like, in touch with their feelings and stuff. Well, whilst that's good, that, that's not a thing that's unmasculine, right? But, you know, but, but we kind of, um, you know, you know, so especially in our times, it's kind of sensitive and, and, and avoided that we should really instil in our boys, um, you know, real, real masculinity. Like, I, I grew up really benefiting from really strong men. And I think... You know, like, like, like my older brother, my older brother especially, like, he's he's a really masculine man, right? Like, I, I really, really benefited from him just being, like, just a, a, a stronger, more calculated um, presence in the home. Because my dad isn't, like, 
he's a he's a bloke like he's very manly in some ways like he's you know you know he's a working class white bloke who like go to the pub with his mates and stuff like he's he is but but he's he's quite um sort of um paternal and um and gentle in many ways my mum's the opposite like my mum's quite an aggressive business kind of woman but to, to have my it was it was it had an amazing impact on me having my brother there in, ter- in terms of like stability and he's as i say like you know he's really masculine um yeah um uh, i think you should make a youtube video about it what specifically about masculinity You know, here's something that I want to say, yeah. I see loads of these, like, memes online about how the Prophet Sallallahu he used to, like, help his wife at home. He'd, like, stitch his clothes and, and do the washing up and stuff. And whilst that's undoubtedly true, right? Like, that's definitely true and that is virtuous for men to do. But is that... Is that the point? Like, is that... Have, have we got such low expectations of men now that the thing we're encouraging them to do is the washing up? Right. Whereas like, when I look at families in the world, like I used to be a primary school teacher and I've done quite a lot of like community Muslim work in various masjid and stuff. The thing that we really need is like men who will provide for their families and be emotionally present for their kids, especially their daughters. Right. Like that's that's what we really need. Right. Like m- most women who are at home. They don't need a man to do the washing up. Right. They need a man to get off the sofa, go out and provide for them. Like th- that's what they really need, because we have a lot of mothers all over the world who, who really just don't have the stability that they need. Right, like it's not that women can't work. It's it's none of that. It's it's not that. It's not that. It's not that women can't work as well as men. It's that like it's that the men need to be stepping up, you know. And 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 I think that like that those are the same men who are complaining that their wives don't respect them, right, or that their wives, you know, aren't treating them like the man of the house. But like, but but if you were to step up, you were to act like a man. And even I go so far as to say, I go even so far as to say that like that women, even if they don't know it all the time, they will come to respect you more if you're more masculine. Like, sometimes you might even need to say things and do things that displeases her in the short term. Like, I'm, I'm speaking to the wrong audience here because I think I've got pretty much all, all sisters in this group. But that's, that's the case sometimes. Because sometimes, you know, m- men, if, like, you know, Allah Azza wa has appointed the men to have a certain role in the home. And, um, and we need to step up to it. That's, that, that, that's the reality of it sometimes. So, yeah, of course, we, we, need, we need role models for both, of course. But the, the, the role models that we, that we need... Um, yeah, I, I think I think should, I think should be more proud to uphold more traditional masculine and feminine roles, or, or ma- men's and women's roles. One hundred percent, I one hundred percent agree with you, sister. The sister's just saying there should be no shame on a woman to stay at home. Of course not, of course not. Like, do you know what? Something that makes me so sad, something that upsets me so much is like when I hear women, like my, my mum's a businesswoman, like she's, you know, she started a company, she's been quite wealthy and she's quite competitive and, and has quite um, masculine traits in many ways. As, as, as a lot of women who are politicians and, and, and CEOs and stuff, they're often there because they have very masculine traits, right? So they're often very competitive, not very agreeable and, um, and stuff like that. And like I've heard women say, you know, staying at home and raising my kids, it's not enough for me. Like, how dare you say it's not enough for you to raise raise your children? And do you know how much I would love that? Do you know how much I would love to stay at my home, stay home full-time, my main role to be nurturing my two boys? I, I would love that more than anything in the world. But my wife's better at it than me. She carried those children in her womb for nine months. 
She she went through hours of agony to deliver them that I never did. Like there there are there are ways that she 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 breastfed those children. Like the the the, the mother is so at one with their children in a way that's so beautiful. And for a woman to throw that away to wear shoulder pads and trousers and go to work and obey her boss instead of being at home helping her children, it makes me sick. It makes me so sad. Not 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 because I expect women to behave a certain way, but because I envy it. Like I I I envy to. To, to have that connection with my children and to stay at home and nurture them and for that to be my main thing. Like, I'd, I'd absolutely love that. And, it, and even so, like, it's not even effective. It's not even efficient to have both both parents working full-time. Like, name any company that operates properly or any team in any way or of any kind that all the members are doing the same thing, right? Like, there's this idea now that, like, that, like, a husband and wife should both be working, should both do the cooking, should both do the washing up, should both do the whatever, right? But no company, no efficient organisation that's not dysfunctional runs like that, right? At any company, you have people, you have the accountant is good at the accounting. Do the accounting and you're good at the accounting. Like, what would be the point of having the cleaner come and do the accounting and the, and the accounting say, oh, so the cleaner, I'll, I'll do that. They're both perfectly good roles. We need both the roles, right? It's not about one being worse than the other. But, man, it makes me so sad, you know, like, you know, I, you know, in my family, I've, I'm not really, I don't know, I, I feel like my upbringing suffered a lot from not having, like, my, my mum is very, very maternal, right, like, she is, you know, she is a really maternal, caring, loving mother, 100%, but, like, most of the women in my family are really successful business people, you know, like, my, the, the most financially successful people that I know are my two aunties, my dad's sister, my mum's sister, they're both, in, they both earn six figures, hundreds of thousands of pounds a year they earn. One of them is the CEO of, um, of an estate agency here in the Midlands, one of the biggest here in the Midlands. And my other auntie um, was a very, very senior um, tech writer for Google. And they're, they're both, they're the two most successful people financially that I've ever known. And they're, they're both women. Like it's, it's, you know, so it's not, it's, I'm not saying this f from something that's just very kind of anecdotal. I'm not saying, oh, the women, I come from a background where the women were like that. So I think that's how it has to be. Like there are exceptions. Those women, my two aunties, are obviously obviously exceptions, right? Like the auntie who's my dad's sister, like she, she's a lesbian, she's gay, right? So she doesn't have children. Like she's she's obviously just got a different approach to life. She's obviously just got a different way of looking at the world and stuff. And and you know she's a badass at what she does. Like she you know she's a senior tech writer at Google. She's a beast, you know. And then you know my other auntie, again she's a she's a businesswoman. Like she's very masculine in many ways. She's like well, when I say that, I don't I don't mean that she looks masculine and she's not beautiful and stuff like that. That's not what I mean. I I, I just I mean that that usually the characteristics, and and usually the usually the characteristics that get women to very very successful positions in politics and business, are usually where they've become less feminine. Like that's, you know, this it's why it's why it kind of amuses me where like. Um, who is it, leader of the Green Party here in the UK? I remember she kind of called like a, a meeting between like all of like the top political women, and I thought like, what's the point in that? Like, you basically think the same as the men. The only difference is like you have different genitalia, like, you know, like, you know, women who normally get to positions like that are usually they usually are very similar to men in terms of how aggressive they are, in terms of how, um, you know, how they how they're not so agreeable, how they're competitive, and things like that. Um, uh, hello, Samira. I'm very well, alhamdulillah. I'm just ranting about um, about uh, manhood and womanhood and marriage and parenting a bit.
Yeah, 100% agree. So another comment here, really good comment. So there's a high divorce rate due to a lot of men expecting old, fa like an old-fashioned, more traditional role for women to do all the housework, but they also want, um, they also want her to help out financially. So yeah, men, you can't have it both ways. Men, you cannot have it both ways, right? Like if you know you, you know, I, I feel like I feel like the men should take it upon themselves to kind of take the lead on that. I, th I think sometimes, sometimes it can make more sense for men's actions to kind of earn a position like that. You know, like, I think if men show that they're working hard and show that they're taking the initiative to really work hard and really bring in money and they're not spending much on themselves and they're, 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 they're putting money aside for it, they're giving money to their wife and saving money for their kids and stuff. I think often what, what I've experienced is that women choose to have a more traditional role. Like, like women, like often women love to be a valued team member of a man who is really upholding the home like that. So, um, you know, that that's definitely true. Like, men... Men who expect to have it both ways, they're very, very misled. You can't have the best of both. You, you, you know, you can't expect your wife to help out financially and for her to do all of the work at home. You can't. You know, sometimes husbands and wives get into a really difficult to track competition of who's doing more. You know, like sometimes, sometimes the husband might say to the wife, you know, like, I've been at work all week and you're at home and I've come home five days, there's, there's, like, there's no dinner and the house is messy and stuff like that. But, but the wife can say, yeah, but I raise our eight children. But, you know, I also take the kids to school. I also help them with all of their homework. Like, you can very easily get into, like, a back and forth of, of who's doing more in the home. Whereas, like, you, you really, really need to, you know, as, as, you kind of, as you're kind of married for longer, you kind of really develop a, a, a um, what's the right word? Like, an empathy for one another. You know, because I'm, you know, in, in my home, we have quite a traditional setup. I think my wife and I, um, you know, typically I, I work and my wife is at home. Um, uh, yeah, that's kind of our setup. But sometimes I come home and I see the amount that she does, and I think like you do way more than me. Like for you to take home, to take care of all the home, and I'm taking care of all the finances. You're still doing way more than me. Like I, I have my stresses. Like as, as like obviously I have my stresses. Like I'm in charge of all of the bills, all the rent, the car, all the transport, like everything like that. I have my my pressures and stuff. But sometimes I come home and my wife's got a newborn baby and a three and a three and a half year old at home. And, um, you know, to, to, and it's so intense. And when you've got kids that age, it's so intense. Like Yusuf, our eldest, he's constantly on the go, right? Like he's, he wants to have a conversation with you. He wants to be showing you his toys. He wants you to be actively engrossed in his like imaginary games and stuff. You know, he wants you to be teaching him things. He wants to be asking you questions all the time, as well as like a newborn baby. Like our Eunice, he's a real screamer. Like some babies, some babies, they'll wake up and they'll need milk and they'll be like, hey, dad, dad, can you give me some milk? Like they're just kind of, they're just kind of like whinge a little bit. But our Eunice, like he's either chilling and he's happy or bam, he's screaming. Like it's one or the other. And my wife's working so hard. Now I'll reward her at home dealing with that, you know. So it's really hard. It's really difficult to kind of find the balance of, of like, are you both pulling your weight? You know, and... And, and, you know, we just need more empathy for each other, really. You know, we, we really need more empathy for each other. Because I know sometimes husbands, and maybe I've been guilty of it myself in my life as well, we, we ask a lot to make us better wives and husbands and to, and to put more barakah and blessing into our marriage. But sometimes we might come home and, like, because there's something wrong, maybe the living room's a mess, maybe dinner's not ready, maybe, I don't know, maybe the kitchen's a mess or whatever, right? Maybe, maybe you come home and you've not got pajamas are changing to you because they're not washed or something right maybe something like that i don't know like but and, and and men might often complain about that 
but you know that's men really need to have more empathy for their spouses i think because um you know because the, the the mothers really really go through something at home like it's i think there is a bit of i know that there is science to suggest that it's not actually true that women can multitask better than men but but i suspect they can like for me i can only do one thing at a time like if i'm in the if i'm in the kitchen and i'm trying to i'm try, i'm trying to fry an egg right and my wife comes in and she's like oh can you just um can you just proofread this email for me or she's like oh can you can you just hold units i'm like Back off, woman. Back off, woman. I'm trying to find the salt and pepper, right? Like I can only do one thing at a time, right? But, but like my wife at home, she's got two kids, like and and lot, lots of women, especially in the Somali community, have lots more than that. Allah Mubarak, like all going on. You've got like you've got food on the go. You're trying to think what dinner's gonna be ready. You're trying to think about what baggage your husband's gonna bring home from work when he comes in, and like. Like there's so many different kind of different things, but when I'm at work, like the best way I can operate is I'm doing one thing at a time and I'm going deep. Like when I'm making a video, that's the only thing I'm doing in my life. Like right now, I'm speaking directly to the eight of you who have have been so kind as to listen to me. That's all I'm doing in my life right now. Like and I'm going deep. Like I'm trying to spill the the deepest truths about the, the opinions that I have and things that I can you know things that I can kind of share with you. And there's nothing else going on, but like. I definitely believe that there is some truth to that women kind of handle that because I find it really stressful as well if I'm at home and I'm trying to concentrate on something like sometimes it's a big sometimes it's a big issue for me working from home because um with with my work and running the Sam of Somalia channel as well as um, my Arabic courses and stuff sometimes I'll work from home and I really don't believe that's good for men like, like I, I remember when I went to university and when I was thinking about my career and stuff, I really thought, like, I really want to be a present father for my kids. Like, I really want to create a work situation for myself where I can work from home. But now I'm actually in that position. I don't believe it's healthy, really. Like, I don't really believe it's healthy for a father to be at home all the time. Like, like it's hard for my wife to understand what, what I really expect of her because I'm at home to help with stuff. You know, and, and like, parenting kids is hard. Like, like, you know, like, you know, there'll be times where Yusuf will really need something. He'll need to go to the toilet or whatever. And my wife will need to take him to the toilet. But, but Eunice is being fed at that very moment. And, and I, like, if my wife was at home on her own and I went out, right, I'd be able to just really go deep and focus on earning more money, right? Which is obviously what families need. Like, at the end of the day, we've got to pay our bills. You know, and, and my wife, she'd pull through it. Like, she'd find a way to pull through it, right? Like, but but if you're at home, it's so easy for my wife just to come upstairs and just say, Sam, just hold you in us for a few minutes. Do you know what I mean? And because I'm a man and I'm concentrating on an email, that's the hour out the window. I've got to write off that hour because I'm distracted now because I'm holding a baby. And I was focusing on the one thing that my brain's capable of at a time. And, and it's all a mess now. But I, I really believe that, you know, well, certainly for me, certainly for me and, and other men that I've spoken to, I don't know if it is... Um, yeah, you know, certainly for me, like I, I don't, I'm, I'm not convinced that it's good for men to work from home. It's good for men to be able to work flexibly, right? Like, because sometimes there's an emergency. Sometimes, like, sometimes you want to work flexibly because you want to take your son to the dentist. Does that mean like the other day I just took my son to the dentist because I can because I work quite flexibly? Like that means the world to me. Like, that that's that's worth all of it to be able to do that. You know, so I think it's more about men trying to get themselves into a position where they can work flexibly. That that's ideal for the man. 
right? That's ideal, but not everyone has that. And that's such a high expectation, and that comes at such a high price. Like, if, if you guys knew the amount that I've struggled financially over the past four or five years or whatever, like, to, to get to a position like this, and, and I'm still not a millionaire, do you know what I mean? Like at the beginning of this video, I said, I'm like, this, this car, I'm driving a Peugeot 207. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in the big money. Do you know what I mean? But, but you know, it's, it's, you know if, if you can work really hard to get to a position where you can work flexibly as a man. But I think it's, I think it's a tall order for women to expect men to, to, one, pay all of the bills and be really present at home. That's, that's a tall order. Um, um, oh, mashallah. Mashallah, we've got, we've got a brother here commenting, I hope it's a brother, um, saying I can relate with you in more ways than one. I'm also a convert to Islam and married to a Somali woman. Yeah, okay, mashallah. I hope you're a brother. Um, you never know these days. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's... um? Because, you know, alhamdulillah, we obviously have the religion, which stipulates lots of things about our roles. Um um, you know, in the marriage, but there are definitely cultural things that come into it, 100%. You know, I think that this isn't my personal experience, but something I did kind of touch on is often, often women, you know, sisters who grow up in diaspora countries, I'm just going to check the time a second, okay, I've got to leave in a minute, but who, who grow up in kind of, you know, UK, USA and whatever, and their family are back home, whether it's, well, their family are from back home, rather, whether it be Pakistan, Bangladesh, Somalia, Turkey, whatever, like, Sometimes those men, sometimes those men, if they go home often, or maybe they even have a second wife or a third or fourth wife or whatever, um, back in their home country, we, we have a generation of girls who just have fathers who are not present. Like, and that, that has a massive impact on, on, like, young girls' need for attention from men. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, we've, we've got this expression in English of girls having, like, daddy issues, which is, is very, very true. You know, like, all of the girls that I know or, or even like the, the the women in my wife's family, like those are women who are not craving attention from men. They do not need it. Those women, like my, my wife's got four sisters, and like they they have just had a ver they've just had an emotionally present dad. Like they've got brothers in their family who are kind to them, and they've got a masculine dad who who protected them and gave them attention and let them know that they were loved all the time growing up. So like those girls, they're not they're not in need for male attention at all. Like. You know, the, the other sisters aren't married, but, like, if a guy is to kind of, like, make some weird move on them or whatever, like, they're just not interested in it. They are not flattered by it at all, you know, and, like, we, we, we need that kind of confidence and self-assuredness, self-assurance, self-assuredness. I don't know what the right word is I'm looking for there, but, but we need that in our girls. My wife really wants us to have a daughter. Um, I'm terrified of the prospect. Because um, we have two boys. We have two boys at the moment. When I first got married, I, I really wanted to have a, have girls when I first got married. Like, I wanted to just kind of have, like, four girls. Like, I, I'm always kind of looking for opportunities to prove that I'm man enough. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, I want to I wanna stand before Allah Azza wa Jal after, after I return to him and, and just have, like, a, a record of my life where I stood up, where I, you know, you know I, I stepped up. Do you know what I mean? I, I stepped up and did things that are difficult for men. Like, I, I want to have a record saying, like, I, I gave the people the rights around me. Like, I... You know, I, you know, I controlled my desires. I, you know, I, you know, I, I did things for other people that weren't necessarily easy for myself. And, and you know, I always kind of wanted to have girls because it's hard to raise girls. You know, you've got to be a real rajul to to raise righteous girls, and um, and hence why there are hadith about it and stuff. But um, but now I've got boys. 
Man, I love having boys. Like, my son Yusuf now, he's three and a half. And he's at an age where he's starting to play with toys that are fun enough for me to play with. So that's awesome. Uh, he recently got one of these, like, marble run things. You build this little thing and the marble runs through it and drops down to different places and stuff. And, yeah, it's pretty cool. I remember one year when I was about three, my brother would have been about five or six, my dad bought us this big, I don't know if any of you guys um, remember those scale electrics, I think they're called, like remote control cars that like whiz around this track. Way too advanced for us as kids, but my dad bought it for us for Christmas. And he knew he was just going to play with it all day. You know, so that's the good stuff about being a father of boys. And also, I just fight Yusuf all the time. I wrestle him all the time, beat him up a little bit, you know, you know, you know, that's what I like. I like to rough him up a little bit. Give him a bit of a beating. You know, he beats me up. He gets me in a headlock. You know, we do a bit of jujitsu. He loves it. Okay, guys, I really need to go, inshallah. Because um, I'm having the tyres changed on my car. So, um, I really, really need to go. Um, um, yeah, but thank you very much, those of you who have joined me. Um, it's been very, very nice. And thank you also for accommodating very low production value today. Uh, usually, I at least try to be kind of sat at a desk with a guest or something but today it really didn't work out that way um yeah as i say i did have a premises booked but i got kicked out but uh you know it's all the same stuff as long as we get to have a conversation so that is everything for today's video hope you guys enjoyed it and enjoyed the discussion if you guys have joined late and you missed any of it i will be uploading this video onto youtube as well um yes yeah, so you can go and check out check it out over there if you want to add anything else to the discussion as well obviously in the comments section over there you'll be able to do so as well so i'll try to get this uploaded maybe tomorrow or something inshallah so um so that's everything for the video i will just uh i will just sign off by telling you guys about a sponsor of the arabic with sam channel they're not a sponsor of this channel but uh, i do want to mention them just because what they do is so creative and so interesting so there's a um a project called arabic workshop which is essentially a listening library for Arabic like if if you're learning Arabic or maybe you're on a course to learn Arabic or something like my course the Arabic in 60 steps program and um, you're learning a lot of reading and a lot of grammar and a lot of reading which is what most courses are Arabic workshop is a, a very very affordable resource that you can kind of bolt onto your current studies it's a listening library it's really easy to navigate student experience is amazing you know they've invested a lot of time and a lot of money um, you know into really really making an amazing app so go over to arabicworkshop.com and uh, you can also get 10% off as well you can use my promo code uh, you go just just put in arabic with sam 10 and uh, you'll get 10% off as well inshallah they, they haven't sponsored this video but i really wanted to give them a shout out as well because um you know like in, in a way they're a competitor of mine in a way but I, I don't really care because what they've done is so good that even if I lose students to them you couldn't because we do something slightly different but, but even if that was the case I wouldn't mind because it's just so good you know like in our Arabic language education not much new has really been done in the past thousand years like we essentially still just have teacher delivering information and students have to get it in their brain but at arabic workshop they've got really fascinating and amazing and very um you know you know very kind of techie algorithms and stuff that support um getting this information into students brains so um yeah so that's um yeah so it's really cool you go to arabic work arab arabic workshop.com and you can put in the promo code arabic with sam 10 to get 10 percent off um, <laughs> last night you should change your name to um, Sam of Languages. I've wrestled a lot about changing the name because I do Arabic stuff, Arabic with Sam, and I'm here doing the Sam of Somalia stuff. I've wrestled a lot with that, but I'm not really Sam of Languages. I'm Sam of two languages. 
Arabic and Somali. But then, like, so really what I'm doing is, like, I'm building some of Somalia to be my main thing. Um, you know, media company, improving resources for learning the Somali language, all built around this mission of passing Somali on to our next generation, because that's really important for me, for my kids, to stay in touch with their Muslim side of their family and their Somali side of their family. So, inshallah, if they do wish to go go back to a Muslim-majority country one day, they can do. So that's kind of the that's kind of the Samal of Somalia mission. And then the Arabic with Sam stuff is kind of a hobby, something else I'm doing kind of on the side, which is really important too. Like it's, you know, as someone who has an Arabic language degree, I do feel a responsibility to try to impact a handful of people in the world if I can. So that's everything, guys. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, and that's it. Have a great rest of your weekend, guys. Assalamu alaikum.